Welcome to Bellwether Friends. Definitely not the first podcast featuring a discussion of pop culture and why we think you should like what we like. Every you hey what the cat deleted you should trust us (laughs) we're librarians with his paws tiki edited our script thanks tiki every couple of weeks we're gonna chat about something what we think and how we feel we'll end the show with our current obsessions i'm anna and we have a sneezing editorial assistant cat who will be interrupting us periodically i'm aline and I'm tired. Yeah, we're both (laughs) tired, so we're going to try and keep this relatively short. Sorry if you wanted a long episode. We are here to talk about the winner of our What to Watch Next TV Bracket Challenge. Dun-dun-dun-dun! Which was Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which has two seasons so far. We are only going to talk about season one. Yeah. Although we are... Just a couple of episodes short of finishing season two. But we're going to try not to let that color our impressions of season one. So, Anna, did you like (sighs) Crazy Ex-Girlfriend season one? I did. Otherwise, we wouldn't be watching season two. Okay. I think. Okay. The good things about the show, things I appreciate about the show, are its relentless honesty about people's shortcomings... And that's also sometimes a thing I don't like about the show. It, it really walks a fine line of, is this going to be too mean or too disgusting or too embarrassing for me to keep watching? Yeah. And it usually comes around to rescuing it in the end. Like, what horrible thing is Rebecca going to do now Right. that I'm going to be uncomfortable with? And how is she going to redeem herself so that I can bear to watch her in the next episode? Yeah, I am with you there. The thing that I like most about it is that this is the brainchild of Rachel Bloom. She produces it, she thought it up, she created it, she sings in it, she writes for it, she does amazing things. It is a very lady-centric show with... A lot of lady issues and things that I thought nobody knew about. I thought they were secret, and they're just there on the screen for everybody so, to see. This is, my, this is where I ask you, mm-hmm. as a self-professed crazy lady, yes, and embracing that term in the same way that the show is embracing it. <clears throat> yep, it's one of those shows that has a title that you're not quite sure about. But I think that it works with it. Do you find yourself identifying with Rebecca? Or are you identifying with any number of the other crazy ladies on the show? I have identified with a lot of the crazy ladies on the show at different times. I am skewing a little more toward it's too uncomfortable than you are. I feel like there's this thing where the raw reality of it is... I I just can't face it when she makes a terrible decision or does a terrible thing or has something terrible happen through all fault of her own. Yeah. I'm in agony for her and for the people around her, and I want it to stop. But we haven't stopped watching. Yeah, is it like a train wreck situation? I I think it's a commitment to our... Our honoring our audience's oh, okay. preferences okay. for for me a little bit. Okay. I think that the show does a good job of 
leavening Rebecca with an excellent supporting cast. Yes. And if it was all Rebecca every episode and no subplots with other people, I would not want to watch it all. God bless Daryl. Oh, Daryl. And Paula. I like Paula and her family. The misery of Paula's marriage is a little tough. (laughs) Understood. But Daryl is a bright spot. Something that we had noted earlier before Daryl came out as bisexual was the lack of sexuality diversity. The relentlessly heteronormative nature of season one, episodes one through ten. Yeah, or so. They do a pretty good job of being ethnically diverse. They they do a good job of having this array of people in the cast and not everyone performing in some sort of slot or in some sort of niche that is assigned to them. Yeah, I I find myself with the supporting cast being glad to see them when they show up. So if Heather shows up, I'm like, oh, it's Heather. I love if Heather. Hector and his mom are dropped in conversation, I'm like, Hector and his mom. Is Hector's shows, mom shown up? I'm not sure if she's. I don't think appeared. we've seen Hector's I'm not, mom. Well, his. You heard her voice when he overslept, but I don't think I'm not sure we've seen her. Okay. But if if White Josh shows up. I'm excited, because Daryl's probably going to show up. Yes. You know, so I appreciate almost all the supporting cast. The people who work with Paula and Daryl and Rachel, uh, I'm not completely sold on all of them. They Karen they, and Mrs. Hernandez. I love, well, Mrs. Hernandez. Okay, so it's just Karen, who is too uncomfortable for me. Is it because we've all worked with a Karen? I am. Well, you know what? I think I have worked with a Karen mm-hmm. who tried to sabotage something that I had done because of reasons I have no... I, I still don't know why. But, yeah. I can't decide if it's... It is... No, it is spectacularly brilliant. Yes. The way they do this. And they do it relentlessly and unerringly with these various characters that get under your skin or make you remind you of things or make you feel uncomfortable because you remember doing that or having something like that happen in your life. And that is a brilliance. It is so relatable on, from so many angles. But we just keep sitting there and and saying, how is this on television right now? How is it gotten two seasons how are we being allowed to watch it yeah i mean the part we haven't talked about yet is the music because it is a musical show and there are usually at least two songs per episode yep it was a thir- 13 episode first season or 18 episode first season yep <laughs> <laughs> it was a something episode first season and there were multiple songs per episode and they are all good. They every song is good on... in its own way. Like it advances the plot yep. as a musical song should. I refer you to our musicals episode. Yes, it advances the plot. We've talked a lot about every time a song comes on, we listen to a few bars of it and then we tag it for what it is an homage to. Right. Right. Or what vein. Whether it is it's in. like you know, on the town tap 
Dance or Marilyn Monroe or Huey Billy Lewis Jewel, and the Billy Joel or Huey Lewis. It's remarkable the ability to take off on popular music on the schedule that they must have to do. I used to think that about Glee. I used to be amazed that they were throwing these numbers together for a weekly television show. And it's a similar thing. There's a more creative depth than just reinterpreting a lot of pop songs. And they're show-stopping numbers. Yeah, and you can hear the like audio annotated version. It's like an explanatory track for the song on Spotify where they'll tell you like what the process was, which is pretty cool if you like nerdy stuff like that. <laughs> we love nerdy stuff on all levels. So what is our agreed-upon favorite song from season one? Our A-plus number one agreed-upon favorite song from season one is Where's the Bathroom, sung by the inimitable Tova Feldsha when she shows up at Rebecca's apartment. She's come from Scarsdale to visit her daughter in Los Angeles. Sorry, West Covina. And she believes her daughter to be completely insane to have left behind her lucrative job in New York City and come to West Covina. Since when do you have a vendetta against Fazes? When did you stop wearing makeup? Are you sure that you're not gay? I'd still love you if you were gay. It would explain this Vaz vendetta. Please just tell me if you're gay. Again, I am not gay. Don't interrupt me. You're always with the talking. I just got off a plane. Give me a moment to catch my breath. It's the least you can do since you lived inside me for nine months. We didn't even talk about the premise of the show. We left that out entirely. Oh, because yeah. we're guessing if you're listening, you know. But to recap very quickly, she runs into the guy she was messing around with at camp when she was 16 in the street in New York and realizes that, of course, she is in love with him and she's going to quit her job and pursue him and move to West Covina. Oh, and like get rid of all of her medication. Oh, right. She tosses her meds. She just decides to move across the country to West Covina because she believes that there will be happiness there. Huh. That doesn't sound very crazy to me. Right. Well, I'm the self-professed crazy woman who moved across the country not too long ago. Right. Got it. So we wanted to shout out Rebecca, our guest on the musicals episode, because she put several Crazy Ex-Girlfriend songs on our Musical Obsessions playlist, which we will link in the show notes. And got them in our head. And got them in our head. We are attached to Sexy Getting Ready song and Heavy Boobs because we hear them more frequently, and so when we saw them in the show, we were like, oh, it's that song. Now we can see the visual that goes along with the singing. We also want to thank our beloved Margaret, Mrs. Friday Next, who also was trying to sell us on the show in the girl groups episode. Right. Many, many months many ago. Many months ago, and also pointed us the way to the free download of season one. Yes, which is how we watched season one, because for some reason Netflix was hiccuping. Right. So thank you to both of those fine ladies. They got it on the list that made it be in the bracket. Right? See? So that's, that's, this that's is, how that's it even how got it here. This is how the magic happens. <laughs> Your peek behind the you curtain. You have to have at least two solid recommendations. <laughs> or it has to be a whim. 
of one of us. Right. Either have of those have, things. Or I have to have read about it on a BuzzFeed Extensive list. Extensive vetting, or like I heard about that from a patron who was passing by. Yes. So our other favorite songs, we're each picking one that spoke to us in season one. Oh, I didn't even talk about Greg. I'm not sure I'm happy when I see Greg, because he's such a downer guy most of the time, and he reminds me of Hans from Frozen, who he voiced. So, in no way does Santino Fontana remind anyone of Hans from Frozen, except Anna, because she knows that he voiced him. Because I can't connect the voices, and we just listened to a bunch of Frozen again recently, and I still can't do it. Yeah, we went to Disney on Ice. We went to Disney on Ice. I don't connect them. He has a perfectly passable voice, and he does a good job with the pieces that he sings, but you, what were you going to say about I was going to say that one, my favorite song, or the song that spoke to me most in season one, the one that has been in my head, that I've said to Aileen, this is in my head now, please make it stop, <laughs> is I could if I wanted to. whoop de freaking do Who cares about throwing a ball or having a kid? It'll get you nowhere in life. Not like getting anywhere matters. Although I guess it does if you care. Which I don't. But I could, but I don't. But I could if I wanted to, yeah. Which is Greg's song about how he could go to business school or whatever, or he could do X and Y, but he doesn't want to, so forget it. It's kind of a poppy, upbeat, guitar guy, kind of whiny, but nihilistic. I don't know. It's very Greg. It's very him. It is it is very Greg. And when I'm feeling lazy, I think I could do that if I wanted to. <laughs> so you're relating to the sentiment. I, I really as well the as sentiment. enjoying the song. Mm, yes. So there are a ton of songs. Almost all of the songs are super relatable in some way. You hear them and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, that. The song that I picked for my my sort of like second favorite song is not one that I relate to. Honestly, it really isn't. Oh but yeah, it's, sure. But it's funny. It's got this sort of Bollywood thing going on, and it is, of course, I'm so good at yoga. We're in a yoga class. Now is the time to let your mind go blank. And focus instead on how awesome the yoga teacher is. Look at me, look at me, I'm so good at yoga. Sung by the character Valencia, whose name I don't remember, Gabrielle something, is the actress's name. That's another thing, is that all the actors are great and everyone ends up having a song at some point. And, and they can all sing. And they can all sing. And it's a little surprising because when you start watching, you're like, oh, it's a musical thing. And you think that it might end up being Rebecca is going to go into her head and sing, sort of like J.D. on Scrubs or Ally McBeal or something. And But it grows into a show where everyone is participant in this trope. Everyone has a song and everyone has a voice and everyone has special things 
it's just awesome. That's really great. We need to take a minute to talk about Paula and how she has a great set of pipes and how she sells any song that she is given. And even though they're not the song that gets stuck in my head, I'm always like, whoa, wow. She does knock our socks off whenever she has a song. And she has several songs in season one. She does. And she continues to be a force in season two, which we'll talk about in a later episode. (laughs) So yeah, I think as long as they keep on the side of not making it too uncomfortable, unbearably uncomfortable, we might keep watching. And I feel like I'm glad that we watched it and can now get all the references that were made in podcasts from one to two years ago. Do you think we'll watch it again to hear the songs in context some more? Or are we going to just pick and choose songs that we like I think and listen to them? Probably more likely. Kind of like Glee. <laughs> kind of likely. Well, no, kind of like Glee. Kind of like Glee. True. I don't want to watch Glee again, but I go back and I listen to some of the songs that I liked. Right? This is true. I need to revisit... All of the songs, though, I think we need to make sure that we need to check out a Spotify comprehensive list so that some of the ones that really got me in the moment, I can see what their staying power is as songs. Yes, we were reviewing various lists that rank the songs of season one. And we'll link to them in the show notes. There's one by Glenn Weldon and one by Roxanne. At Paste. At Paste. We were doing it and we couldn't remember half the songs, because we, we just sort of binged it, and so I think upon review, like if we had been able to spend some time going through the soundtrack, listening to it a few times, perhaps without small children around. <laughs> That's one of the things, is his name Glenn Weldon? Yeah. Glenn. Okay. Glenn says... From Pop Culture Happy Hour. Glenn from Pop Culture Happy Hour, who everybody knows except me. <laughs> Says that you must go and listen to the explicit versions of the songs. Yeah. Because there are broadcast versions and there are explicit versions. And I will want to do that because I like the explicit versions. Yeah, we learned that in the romance novels episode. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, I think we are generally pro but both of us have a tolerance for embarrassment slash, I don't know, terrible behavior that has a limit. Yes. You know, I hesitate to say this because it is a theme of this entire podcast, but is it because I'm old? I don't know if it is. You mean that you're old enough that you're like, she's 30? Mm Mm-hmm. I made most of my really dreadful decisions prior to being 30. Wait, she's only 26. Okay. So, so the 10 years? It's totally relatable, but in my reading and movie and television consumption, my tolerance for youthful folly has tapered off a bit. As an example, when I read Sophie Kinsella's shopaholic books, I am very impatient with the central character. Well, much as I'm at the point where there are only one to two Olympians that are older than I am. Yes. Every Olympics, I am at the point where mostly I sympathize with the parents and occasionally grandparents. 
and not with the teenagers, i.e. Rory Gilmore. <laughs> or should that be, it should be E.G. Excuse me. I.E. E.G. E.G., for example. So it should be E.G. in this case. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that might be part of it. But, you know, just because you're certain age... Doesn't mean you've gotten your life together, I guess. No, and that is not... I don't think that's the case at all. I think there are some of the things that you you figure out a little bit more about yourself, maybe. Maybe you don't have it together, but you know what you want and don't want and will take and won't take, possibly. And this is not to say that any of my younger friends don't have their lives together and know who they are and what they want. It's relating to myself specifically. 26. I was just making sure that it was a decade between when she got dumped by Josh Chan. Yeah, that's the... And when she got back. I would like to see more of Josh's family again. I did like I was, Josh's I like family. I like seeing Leah Salonga. <laughs> you did like... She was an aunt of his. That was good. I keep trying to do the math, and I think that it's great that Rebecca has gone to law school and gotten a great job and is about to make partner in this firm when she leaves it. And I kept doing the calculations being like, 26? Really? I thought you got out of college at 22 and then you had to go to law law school school. for three years and then you get out and you have to work harder. You have to work really hard for longer than a year to make partner. Rachel Bloom is 30. Yeah. But she just turned 30 like 20 minutes ago. I saw her on Twitter. It's very tidy to have it be a decade. Yes. So, and I'm not sure why we should nitpick this when they're bursting in song all the time, but we are. That's totally realistic. Come we on. We are. We burst into song all the time. We do. Thank we you, could if we, wanted to. <laughs> we could if we wanted to. We could if we wanted to. We could write musical episodes if we wanted to. No, we couldn't. Maybe we should do a musical episode. Of this podcast? Sure. We have had singing episodes. Mm-hmm. We have had We have had a musicals episode. Mm-hmm. I think it would be Sondheim-esque. I mean... (laughs) Unsingable? Stay tuned. (laughs) What is your musical obsession? Speaking of music... Are we moving on to musical obsessions? Well, I was trying to segue us there, but if you don't want to segue, please feel free to continue. Are we done covering everything about season one of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Again. (laughs) So, my musical obsession (laughs) is taking me back a ways... Some of you may remember Men at Work, and after the 80s... In the land down under? You mean those Men at Work? Yes, those Men at Work. Or do you mean the guy in the Diet Coke commercial? I mean the Australian band that was big in the early 80s. Do they have... They have the two songs, right? They have more than two songs, but yes. Who can it be now? Who can it be now? And... Land Down Under. Just, yes, Down Under. Sorry. Just Down Under. It's like, just Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Not, <laughs> it's not my Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Or the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Or the great, no, it's just Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Okay. Anyway, so. So, they had extraordinary fame, and then they dropped off, and their lead singer, who has a very distinctive and awesome voice, has had a solo career that has been very small. It's a sleepy solo career, and I heard him on, he had a song on Scrubs, 
Right. I can't remember what the song was on Scrubs, but somewhere in there, he covered a Minute Work song on Scrubs, and he had another song on Scrubs that was really good. But the song I'm thinking about right now is off his 1994 album, Topanga, and it's called Waiting for My Real Life to Begin. And it's really great. I got to see him in a teeny tiny venue that was mostly empty in just, just a few years back. And it was awesome. It was, it wasn't an acoustic set, but it was like, it felt acoustic after listening to Minute Work. And I'm sharing him with y'all. If, if you didn't dig in and explore him when you heard him on the Scrubs soundtrack, then you might like this. Okay. We just got back from New York City, for which we made a New York City playlist. We solicited your input, and we are grateful for the songs you suggested, because there were a lot there we didn't know about, particularly the one Renata right. gave us. RuPaul and RuPaul. Michelle Visage. Yes. So, so thanks. the one that I'm obsessed with is the They Might Be Giants cover of New York City, which Kate, 14 across from what Worst Bestseller suggested, but I already placed on our list <laughs> as a They Might Be Giants fan because it's very catchy and peppy and slightly cynical. And it's a cover as well. As I didn't know it was a cover. It is a cover. But it's very them. You know, they make it sound very them. Yes, they do. It sounds very them. We listen to it in the car. I would like to state for your convenience and knowledge that we will be adding our number one and our personal top Crazy Ex-Girlfriend songs to the Musical Obsessions playlist as well. Okay. Just to enhance that list a little bit more so that we get a little more of that in our life. What's your regular obsession, Anna? My regular obsession is a book that recently came out. Wait, it's a book? Yeah. Really? I know. Huh. And it is called Hunted. It's a retelling of Beauty and the Beast by Megan Spooner, who is the co-author of a series with Amy Kaufman of uh, Illuminae and Gemina and all the books they wrote together. Each one is a sci-fi romance in the young adult category. Ooh. And those are all really good on audio. So I listened to this audiobook, and it is set in an indeterminately distant past Russia, I think, judging by everyone's names. <laughs> and the fact that there's like a Rusalka reference and other Svetlana Russian Irina. other Russian inflected things. <laughs> You're not taking this seriously. I'm taking it very seriously. I like Russian names. Okay. Carrying on. It was really good. And it addressed the Stockholm Syndrome thing head on. And it came to a satisfactory and gripping conclusion. Now I remember you telling me about this. Yes. <laughs> good sell. Right? I'm telling everyone about it. It's really good. And she is a huntress. Her father has just three daughters and she's the youngest and he's a hunter and so he trains her to, to be a huntress. And then when she gets to be 13 or whatever, he's like, nope, now you have to go be a lady. But then their family loses everything, and so they have to go live in the woods, and that's where they encounter a beast who has his own reasons for needing someone with her skill set. So she gets to be awesome hunter-killer type, and 
Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. What's your obsession? My obsession is also a book. What? Yes. It is The Daughter of Time by Josephine Tay. I am in the middle of this, and we will be doing a deep dive with our beloved two bossy dames for our very next episode. So this is a little bit in the mode of a spoiler. If you have not read Josephine Tay's The Daughter of Time, it has this sort of rear window vibe going on where the central character, Inspector Alan Grant of Scotland Yard, is, like the Jimmy Stewart character, recuperating from an injury and is bored out of his skull and decides to take on solving the mystery of the nephews of Richard III, whether he killed them or not. Yep. And it is great. If you haven't read it, you should. If you don't want to read it, you should definitely tune into our next episode. Right. Because we will talk about every word in it. <laughs> with the the lovely and talented Sophie and Margaret because they are very close critical readers. Right, right. Just like Anna and not so much me. I'm an enthusiastic reader. Well, that's good. <laughs> so tune in next week or two weeks from now. Next time. Next time. Tune in next time for that which will probably be longer than this episode. <laughs> it will probably be longer than this episode. <laughs> so, thank you for listening. I'm Anna. You can find me online at Helga Grace, H-E-L-G-A-G-R-A-C-E. You can find both of us on Twitter at BellwetherFriends, B-E-L-L-W-E-G-H-E-R-F-R-N-D-S. And we're also a bunch of other places. Or you can give us a rating on iTunes and not find us online. That's fine. <laughs> I'm Aline, and you can find me on Twitter at Surly Spice, S-U-R-L-Y-S-P-I-C-E. And our In-N-Out music was provided by Julie Jurgens, J-U-L-I-E. <laughs> you can find her on Twitter at Hi Miss Julie, H-I-M-I-S-S-J-U-L-I-E. Bye. Bye.